Hello, this is James Grunvig with Decentralized.media. I'm here with my co-host, uh, Tracy L. White, author of The Foundation, a, a great book, right? Uh, yeah. We're here beyond the Bible, today's episode four, and what are we going to cover? Well, we we went from Revelation the first three shows. We're going back to Revelation soon. But I said, well, why not do Sangamore? Because Sangamore is eschatology. It is the God's destruction of sin. It is a fire and brimstone. It's a very unique story. It's completely separate from what the flood was, with the Nephilim and everything else. So that, that was a different kind of uh, cleansing of the earth, as, as, as I believe and were. So we're going to get right into the show uh, because Sagamore is, even though it's in Genesis and the other side of the Bible, it's very important to cover this because to me, uh, what was in the time of Noah is kind of in the time of now and we're in the end times in real time. So I think it's important to cover this subject and we'll get into it in right now. So here we are, Sodom Gomorrah, right? This is uh, the Bible show. This is the foundation to Tracy's uh, book. Scripture studies, you can buy it on Amazon. I highly recommend you do if you haven't done so already. To so begin, educate yourself because there are going to be a lot of normies. I'm talking about the people who are not quite awake yet about the vaccines being poisoned, pharmacia, about the financial system robbing them of all their wealth and their family's wealth and generations of wealth, right? That and the, in World War III, there'll be a lot of people waking up next in the next year. And they're going to be they're going to be joining our program. So you want to get a head start on them and actually dive into the scripture studies. So this this show is episode four. It's Song Gamora's out of Genesis, as as we mentioned, beyond the Bible, end times in real time. That is what we're all about. So this is a planisphere, and I talked about it at the end of the last show. And this is important. So this is a Sumerian disc, a sky disc. There's an arrow. Some people think it the arrow at the bottom of the screen is for the autonomous equinox, and others theorize it's a very special comet that came across the sky at 4.30 in the morning on June 29, 3123 BC. This is how accurate these, the astrology software can go back in time over the last 27,000 years and pinpoint a day in time. It's absolutely amazing. So let me read this. In 2008, a cuneiform tablet that, that puzzled scholars for over 150 years was translated for the first time. The tablet is now known uh, to be a contemporary Sumerian observation of an asteroid impact in Kofels, Austria. That's the Aust Austrian Alps. But there is no crater in Kofels territory, so, so to the modern eye, it does not look like an impact site should look, and the Kofels event remains hypothetical to, the, to this day. However, clear evidence in the cuneiform clay tablet that puzzle research remains unexplained. So there, there, is, there is a difference of opinion in this planisphere tablet, and there's a difference of opinion in what was what's been found at the, at the northern part of the Dead Sea and the southern part of Dead Sea. But we're going to dive into this today. So this is a uh, an asteroid burst. Think of Tunguska in 1906. So a, an asteroid burst is when it comes in. It was a recent one in Russia, maybe uh, seven or ten years ago. It comes across the sky and it superheats the friction, and then the the rock or comet bursts apart, right? And then they it, it creates a fireball and it's and overhead it superheats the ground. So that that's that's one thing on how how something's destroyed. Tunguska has got all the evidence of that. It's an amazing story. But in, in the case of Sodom, the some of the researchers believe it actually struck the, the Austrian Alps, which is completely west of the Mideast, blew up a plume of superheated uh, debris, brimstone, sulfur, all that, which landed in the Dead Sea area and wiped out Sagamore. So there's the 
that it's called the Sodom Comet. You could research on your own. It's pretty interesting to go look at. There's also a documentary from 2008 that talks about it. So here, here's what I'm talking about. So on the left part of this image, we have Jericho and we have someone calls this Gomorrah. This is the northern part of Dead Sea. That is on the left side. But on the south side, on the right, we're looking at Masada. And so other archaeologists and biblical scholars believe that ancient Gomorrah is at the bottom of the base of Masada between the southern part of the Dead Sea and that the valley, the Siddim Valley or the Sodom Valley of ancient Sodom is south of that. So I'm not a expert in any means, but the fact is we have two, two places, all related to the North the Dead Sea, that is, that clearly show signs of a supernatural superheating of uh, layers of debris, destruction, all of that. Pretty interesting. So the southern part of Dead Sea, so this valley is called the Valley of Siddam, Siddam, Sodom. Not a far walk as far as vowels are concerned. So I find that very interesting. So here was the article uh, all the way back. Um, it talk, So it gives you a date, 29 of June, uh, 31, 23 BC. Starts with a bang, right? A Syrian tablet, play tablet, or a Sumerian uh, points to Sodom Gomorrah asteroid or comet. That's what it talks to. And you can find these articles online. It's, it's worth reading. Just type in Sodom, Sodom Gomorrah comet and you, you will find this information. So here's another one uh, back from 2008, April 10th, by Nancy Atkinson. Uh, evidence of the asteroid impact for Sodom Gomorrah, right? And it's a question because no one has got absolute evidence, but it's worth thinking about. So that is the PowerPoint today. And you're not an archaeologist, Tracy, but you're you're a biblical no. researcher, right? But you're a biblical researcher, right? You're, you're a scripture study, you're gonna be your teacher. Does the Bible mention anywhere in Genesis or even other books mention exactly where Sodom and Gomorrah might might be, have been? Well, I know it's um right Moab and Amnon and Edom, it's around that area. When when Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed, it wasn't just those two cities. It was everything in that plain. There was four different kings that were uh, doing things like that. And so all of it, all of it got destroyed. And yep. I do know that he uh, hid in Zoar, in the city of Zoar, because he couldn't get up to the mountains. Right. So there were, there were, there were five cities of the plane that were wiped out. And even uh, in that Sodom Comet documentary, and I highly recommend people go find it and watch it. It's worth it. Um, you will. They actually uncovered a mosaic tablet, some kind of bathhouse of ancient, ancient uh, Sodom. It was apparently a great city, and it was supposedly... 10 times larger than Jericho and stuff like that. Very interesting stories here. Bigger than Jerusalem as well at the time. And they found a, a mosaic and they showed, it got, had a map of the Dead Sea. They didn't call it the Dead Sea, but they had a map of the of the lake, the giant lake there, the sea there. And then they showed the locations of these of these uh, cities at one time before, before the destruction happened. So uh, it's pretty amazing that the evidence is out there and it's crystal clear that it exists. Let me go play video one, and we're going to dive into this deeper because it's a very important subject. We'll go to video one. Hello, wonderful person. This is Anton. And today we're going to be discussing this relatively new paper that might have identified a Tunguska-like explosion, Tunguska-like event, 
where a somewhat small rock created an extremely explosive event, potentially destroying an entire city in the Bronze Age in one of the regions in the Middle East, very close to the Dead Sea, a region located in modern-day Jordan. And what's really interesting about this particular discovery is that it might actually connect to one of the biblical stories. The mythical destruction of the city known as Sodom, or Sodom and Gomorrah as it's also known, although that part is still being debated. So let's actually discuss what the scientists discovered and what it kind of means to us in terms of our understanding of the frequency of these events. First of all, this ancient city existed for several thousand years. Approximately 3600 years ago, in roughly around 6050 BC, the city was at its peak. And back then it was also one of the biggest cities in the world. It was at least 10 times bigger than Jerusalem and at least 5 times bigger than Jericho. And because of its central location, extremely close to various bodies of water, it became an extremely important cultural center for various cultures living in this region. Today it's believed that this particular city served an important role in helping us advance various types of toolmaking, various types of pottery, and a lot of other major advances for many different cultures in this region, making Tal El Halam one of the central metropolises that used to exist during the Bronze Age in the Middle East. And the evidence from various sediments located in the region also imply that humans lived in this particular city for thousands and thousands of years, going all the way back to the Copper Age, all the way back to 5000 BC. And because the sediment in this region also shows the signs of the city being destroyed and rebuilt at least several times, it implies that this was an extremely important area for a lot of different cultures, simply based on the various attempts to conquer the city. But while looking through various sediments and various deposits in this region, the scientists or the archaeologists identified something somewhat strange in the one and a half meter interval that represented the Middle Bronze Age, the period that would be approximately three and a half thousand years ago. This particular part of the sediment contained a lot of unusual materials and a lot of unusual inclusions that are normally not actually very common or almost never seen at all. A lot of these samples and a lot of pieces they found resembled something you would expect after a typical warfare. A lot of destroyed pieces, a lot of parts of broken walls and broken buildings, something that would generally indicate either major warfare or potentially a major earthquake. But for some reason there was something else. For example, pieces of pottery that were burned under extremely high temperatures. Or shards from various buildings, such as a palace, that were partially melted and most likely experienced extremely high temperatures as well. And a lot of other pieces that either melted into glass or turned into some sort of a bubbled material that can only be done by temperatures over 2000 degrees Celsius. Something that back then the humans simply could not produce themselves. There is almost no way that someone found a way to create such high temperatures during this particular archaeological era. And so once the scientists behind this paper started to investigate these samples in more detail, essentially using a lot of microscopes to try to see what else they can find, they started to discover a lot of other really important parts. They discovered what's known as shocked quartz, and a lot of iron and silica-rich spherules, which normally only form in really high pressures and really high temperatures. And interestingly, even sand, or the actual grains of sand, seem to contain tiny cracks on the inside also indicating extremely high pressures and potentially high temperatures. And all of the signs pointed at the culprit you see right here. Some sort of a bolide, potentially somewhat similar in size to the famous Tunguska meteor that exploded in Siberia back in 1908. 
And if you'd like to learn more about that event, check out one of the previous videos. And so all of the evidence collected so far definitely points at some sort of a cosmic explosion, or basically an explosion of a meteor. And similar to Tunguska, it was probably only about 50 to maybe 80 meters in size, and very likely entered the atmosphere extremely fast and exploded before anything could even reach the ground. Which means that it would not really produce any crater, and would unlikely leave any other signs behind except for the signs of devastation and the signs of an extremely powerful aerial explosion, potentially similar to what the scientists found in Tunguska. And the estimated total yield of the explosion is probably in the region of about 10 to maybe 12 megaton, or approximately 1000 times more powerful than the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. And in terms of the strength of the airburst, here is a rough representation created by the scientists. So this would cover an extremely large region, potentially reaching several cities, but being particularly devastating to Tal El Hammam, with the computer simulations of the airburst suggesting that the entry angle was about 35 degrees, the detonation occurred at an altitude of about 18 kilometers, with the burst itself creating a lot of ionized gases moving extremely fast and having a temperature anywhere from about 500 to about 1500 Kelvin. And this type of an explosion would be more than enough to completely destroy an ancient city, but on top of that, potentially also create a lot of legends and a lot of stories in regards to this event. And the reason for this is simple, these events are not very common, and so a culture in the Middle East might witness this maybe every few hundred years. And so when it happens, it's quite likely that many different cultures will try to interpret this either as some sort of a punishment from the gods, or potentially even as some sort of an end of the world. So I, I thought that was interesting, end of the world. Um, what he meant, what he failed to mention, what they didn't find in the northern part of Dead Sea from an archaeological point of view is very important. They found no sulfur. I'll play another video a little bit later that talks about sulfur. There are two other videos I was going to show, but uh, the file format is not right for Zoom, so I can't play them today. But I'm going to recommend the audience, you can go out there and uh, type in uh, Sodom, runes of Sodom with sulfur in, in a word, or sulfur Sodom, and you can go to YouTube and find some of these videos, look through it yourself, because that is in the southern part of the Dead Sea. So I think both archaeological sites are actually accurate. Now, could the comet that hit, if this, if that's what happened in in the in the uh, over in Europe in the, in the Alps, and blew back onto Mideast, Well, that might explain the southern part because the destruction there was is completely different than what happened with the airburst. If that's what happened in the northern part, so I find these these two events really interesting. From the scriptures, Tracy, what 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 does the scripture say about Sodom and Gomorrah, the people who live there, the angels that came down and warned Lot? Let's let's go into the Bible part of this story. Okay, and and just so people can get an understanding of where my mindset is when it comes to stuff like this, um, I always tell God that I'll believe first and understand later, and so that's the type of mindset that I have. So the Bible says that those who come to Him must first believe. You know, and so that's my mindset. So I'll read the scripture, I'll believe the scripture, and then I'll let things fall, you know, into place. And whatever relates to today, that's the very reason why I, I go into the scriptures to try to see what I can relate to today, the correlations. But um, uh, the, 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 a good thing to know about Sodom and Gomorrah is that it's an indicator. What happened back then is an indicator 
of when Christ returns. And that's the significance of Sodom and Gomorrah in the days of Noah. And biblically, Sodom and Gomorrah got wiped off the map because of their sin. And in Genesis 18, 20, that's what he actually said. He said, the cry of Sodom has come before me because of their sin is so grievous. So I'm going to read some of the passage where this was occurring. So in Genesis 19, it said, and the men said unto Lot, hast thou here any besides the son-in-law and thy sons and thy daughters and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place for we will destroy this place because the cry of them is too great before the face of the Lord. Now, these are the angels telling Lot because I didn't want to start from the very beginning because it's a, you know, it's a very long account. And he said, he sent me to destroy the city. So this is how I know that Lot and his wife had other children in the city. It says, and Lot went out and he spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters and said, up, get ye out of this place for the Lord will destroy this city. But they mocked him instead. And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot saying, arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters. These are the two that wasn't married. And so they hadn't entered into the city yet into all the sin, um, which are here with you unless you get consumed in the city. And while he lingered, the two angels, the men laid hold upon him and they led him by the hand upon him and his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful to him, they brought him forth and set him without the city. So they, they, they took him by the hand and led him outside the city. And it came to pass when they had brought him forth that he said, escape for thy life and look not back behind thee. Neither stay thou in the plain, escape to the mountains unless you be consumed. And Lot said unto them, no, not so, Lord. Let me escape into Zohar. And now Lot asked to go into Zohar instead because it was closer. He didn't have to climb up into the mountains. He was scared that he would die before he got there. Okay. And so they, uh, they allowed it. And it said, behold, now this city is near. Flee un let me flee unto it. And it is just a little one. So let me escape there. And my soul shall live. And he said unto him, see, I have accepted thee concerning this thing also. And I will not overthrow this particular city that you've spoken of. Hurry up and get there. I can't do anything until you come into the city. Now, this is important until you come into this city, Zoar. This is important. This is the type of stuff I like to think about. He told Lot that the angels told Lot they will do nothing until we come into the city, into the land of Zoar. And by the way, Zoar means insignificant. Okay, so they just overlook this city. He doesn't overthrow it. Now, the sun was rising up on the earth when Lot entered into this into Zoar. So when Lot got there, the sun had already risen up on the earth. Now, check this out. It says the Lord rained upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the city that were, were, were upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. So think about this, guys. The angel said, I can't do anything until you get to the city. The Bible says the sun was up when Lot entered into the city. That tells me that his wife was actually not right behind him because she would have made it into the city. So when it says, but his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt, I take that to mean that she didn't follow him all the way in. So the picture that we always got when we was taught about Sodom and Gomorrah um, in picture books, you will see Lot and his two daughters fleeing, 
her behind him and they're on this trail and she looked back and she get turned into the pillar of salt. That's that's the depiction that we always got, but that's not biblically possible according to the scriptures here because he had made it to the town. They wasn't going to do anything. They didn't do anything till he got there. Okay. Now, after that happened, and I'm going to read you the parts so you'll understand Moab, Amnon, and Eden. Okay. Well, Moab and Amnon. And Lot went up out of Zoar, and he dwelt in the mountain. This is after everything happened. And his two daughters with him, for he feared to dwell in Zoar. And he dwelt in a cave, he and his two daughters. And the firstborn said unto the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man in the earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drunk with wine, and we will lie with him that we may preserve seed of our father. And they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father and perceived not. He perceived not when she lay down or when she got up, meaning that he was that drunk. And it came to pass on the next night that the other went in and she lay down with him. And he perceived not when she lay down or when she got up because he was that drunk again. And both daughters lay and they both bear a, bear a child with their father. And the firstborn named her son Moab and the second, and that's the Moabites unto this day. I love when the Bible says unto this day, that is so sovereign. That is so definite that all the way back then when this was written, it said unto this day. And the younger, she also bare a son and called his name Ben-Ami, which is the children of, which is the children of Ammon unto this day. Now, this is how this correlates to the prophetic word for this day. Luke 17, okay? It says, and this is starting with verse 26. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the son of man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives. They were given into marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also, it was in the days of Lot. They did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus it shall be in the day of the coming of the son of man. That's what it says. And so, and then it says, in that day, he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house. Let him not come down and take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife. So whosoever shall seek to save their life will lose it. And whosoever shall lose their life shall preserve it. Okay. Now that is a prophetic scripture for the, the, the type of times that we're going to see ourselves in. All the type of sinning that was back in, the type of sinning that was going on in Lot's day, the type of sinning that was going on in Noah's day. The Bible flat out says that it will be like that, probably a greater level, but it will be like that when Jesus returns. And this is going to happen immediately following the tribulation. We're talking about the end times in real times. Now, the reason why I know this is going to happen immediately following the tribulation, because the passage I just read to y'all from Luke. If you read that in Matthew 24, starting with verse 29, it literally starts out like this. Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light 
and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken and then shall appear the sign of the son of man in heaven and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory and he shall send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds talking about us everybody that's saved from one end of heaven to the other but of that day and hour knoweth no man no not the angels of heaven but my father only but as the days of noah were so shall also the coming of the son of man be for as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them away so shall also the coming of the son of man be and that is literally what's going to happen. But when you look at, and, and by the way, when you read that passage, it seems like Jesus knows the time, but, but not even Jesus knows the time. And that sounds crazy, but it's true. Because in Mark 13, 32, same passage, but over in Mark's gospel, it says, but of that day and of that hour, no, no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the son, but the father only. And so, that is how that correlates with end time. So what do you think about all that, James? Tracy, I loved how you uh, put it all in context. It is sort of like the Bible is one giant guide, right? Yes. It's like from the old, the old times all the way, ancient times all the way to today, then in, near into the near future, because I believe we're in the end times in some fashion. And what yeah. you said before Noah and the flood, right? Uh, clearly before Lot and Sodom and Gomorrah and all that, right? And we see this over and over again. The fact that Daniel talks about it to a degree, what was coming ahead. Uh, Luke, yes. Luke and Matthew are talking about it. And then in Revelation, it's crystal clear what's coming. And what age are we living in? So let's let's just call this the COVID age. Let's just put us in real time. Yeah. So the last four years, okay. we've had pharmakia, pharmakia, pharmakia. We've had wars and rumors of wars. All of this is in Revelation. And yep. what's happening though? A lot of people are not paying attention. They're doing what? They're getting married. They're drinking. They're playing mm -hmm. golf, right? Mm -hmm. You know, they're 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 into all oblivious, right? And they have yeah. no clue about tribulations is here or going to be here soon. So you're absolutely describing human behavior over and over and over yeah. again, and not a good part yeah. of human behavior. Yeah. Because it's going to happen suddenly. That's the point. It, it's going to be sudden. The Bible says those who seek to save their life, they'll lose it. But those who lose their life for my sake, another passage says, those who lose their life for my sake, for the gospel's sake, for the kingdom's sake, they will save their life. Okay. So it's like you, like I said, when I got saved, I gave up my life to Christ and I got life. So I chose to have the life from him instead of the life I was living. Right. And that's instead literally the how it's going to be flesh the spirit right separating the the, the 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 flesh body in us not being selfish giving yourself up for jesus christ for the most high right and that's the spirit and that's important because you got to clean your soul and you got to let jesus yeah. clean, out, clean out the rest of your soul because we're all born we're born in sin we live through sin even if you have pure impure thoughts sorry that's sin as well and that, that's all part uh -huh. of a part of the human uh the human dynamic, right? Uh, it's all part of us. We're all, we all have the full spectrum of emotions. Most of us, mm -hmm. 
are good people, good behavior stuff, but that's often not enough in life, is it not? Right. And think about when the Israelites got taken in, you know, Babylonian, they got into exile. And then King Cyrus says, you guys can go back, you know. And there were so many that had established their lives there and they were prospering. That was part of what Jeremiah prophesied about. Obey God, you know, submit and you will prosper in the land which there I sent you, even though it was exile. And a lot of them chose to stay, not give up their lifestyle in order to go back, rebuild the city and live for God with God's laws. And so it's kind of like now it's going to be a lot of stuff going on. The Bible clearly says it's going to be like those days, that type of sinning. When you look in uh, Jude and when you look in Second Peter, it talks about even more in depth about the type of sin. Knowing strange flesh, sleeping, you know, all, all the immoral things, the sexual things, you know, um, being gay and all that kind of stuff. It talks about all that type of sinning that they were doing in Jude and in Second Peter that they came under judgment for. And that's the same type of stuff that everybody's going to come, God's people rather, is going to come under judgment for if they don't come out of it this time as well. Yeah, I'm with you on this. This is uh, very fascinating. So so for the people that are not sure, so we talked about last week, we talked about uh, the book of Daniel, time, time, time and a half, right? 42 months, yeah. Israel yeah. being invaded. Is that part of the tribulations in Revelation, meaning chapter 6 through 19? Is the invasion of Israel part of tribulations? It is. It is. Because, so because it's, it's called, it's actually called the times of the Gentiles. It, it says for those last three and a half years, this is why the outer court wasn't measured by Ezekiel when God told him, I'm going to show you what's going to happen in these days. And he had him to measure the temple. He didn't have him to measure the outer court because he said that is given unto the Gentiles. That's going to be trodden down for 42 months for the last three and a half years. It's going to be tr uh, trodden down. And so that is definitely a big part of the actual tribulation time. And the Bible says that's going to happen until the times of the Gentiles come in, the fulfillment of the Gentiles. And so all of that has to happen. Yeah, very, very, very good. Let me take a break. And what I mean by break, play the next video, because this is on the southern part of the Dead Sea, because I want I want people to understand they both were hit with something up in the air. They both had superheated pre pressure. They both had fires. But they were two different kind of uh, fingerprints of destruction. Let me just use those words. And let's watch uh, four or five minutes of this video. It's from Ron uh Wyatt he he is a archaeologist he's passed away but this in 89 he was interviewed in 1999 it's it's important because he discovered some very interesting things let's play this video I drove back and forth through there uh, many, many times. Uh, you know, you have to go past there to get to Kadesh. You have to go past there to get to the Red Sea crossing site. And uh, I did stop and show my workers, uh, my two sons and whoever else was helping us, uh, this ash because the road went right through the middle of it down at the... Uh, Zoar area and you know I showed them this soft stuff I said this is bound to be 
what's left of those cities where the cities of the plains once enjoyed a beautiful and very prosperous existence. The place where Lot chose rather than the mountains to feed his flocks and herds and raise his family. And you'll notice here that we have several feet of nothing but white powdery ash. Ash that's only produced when material is burned at degree temperatures exceeding 2000 degrees Fahrenheit. This stuff crumbles to powder in your hands, sticks to your clothes, it's just pure ash. But it was, I guess, 1988, uh, Mary and Elle and I were out there and uh, she found this chunk of ash that had been broken open and inside it there was a, a little cavity that looked just unbelievably like an eyeball. Uh, so we were kind of puzzled about that. But about a year later uh, we actually found sulfur balls. Uh, these spheres of sulfur and where they had completely burned up there was a cavity very similar you know to this one that Mary and Elle had found a year before. Mm -hmm. Okay we're down at Sodom and Gomorrah still. Right in front of you see some unusual looking spots on this uh, shall we say layer of ash it's not stone, it's ash. Now we'll move in for a close-up of this. And you can see that they're kind of circular shaped uh, places. Now what we have found, and we'll move in a little closer here, is that inside each of these is sulfur. Uh, that is in most of them. Now the ones that do not have sulfur in them, and this one we just took a bunch of sulfur out and put it in our specimen bag, but the ones that don't have sulfur have a very black center where they have, uh, where it's been very hot. So now we'll move in on this one where there is some sulfur still present. And back off just enough so you can see what we're up to here. And we'll go collect that sample in a bag. Uh, for the audience, you can go to ronwyatt.com and see many of his videos, a lot of his papers, a lot of his research. It's quite amazing. I go there from time to time. So, like I said, it's more powdery in the south. It's it's more sulfur in the south. The iron sphericals, if you think of iron sphericals, they were found in one World Trade Center, two World Trade Center, and seven World Trade Center, ground zero. That was called from nanothermite explosives. Planes didn't hit those buildings. We get into that show on unrestricted warfare, not the Bible show. But I just want to say iron sphericals. The iron sphericals I found north in the Dead Sea, right? They, they That is from a superheated explosion. 
So that explosion to me is a little different than what it was like almost a brimstone rained down a saga more in the South. And it was something else happened up North in dead sea. There were two different events might've been simultaneous. You might've had a break off of a comet. If a comet was, was the culprit, right. That hit that air burst over the North and the bigger, bigger piece went on and struck the Alps and caused the blowback and the rain down because the, the temperatures they figured raining down from the sky Early in the morning on the on June 29th of 31, 23 BC, if that's what happened. Well, it was excess of 400 degrees. So meaning you 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 your lungs would you oxygen be all all burned up. You'd be dead in moments. Your skin be on fire, and would Lot's wife turn into a pillar of ash as opposed to a pillar of salt? That is a question mark. We do not know, right? But something turned her into a pillar of something, right? Salt obviously is <laughs> low with salt and or it's a pillar of, of ash. Her body was incinerated, but it didn't completely uh, vaporize. So again, we were not there. We're not witnesses of that. We shouldn't be witnesses of that because was that one of the lessons, uh, Tracy, that Lot's wife, well, you, you, you shouldn't let curiosity kill a cat and look back. And <laughs> right. And, and obviously uh, you, you should, you shouldn't be, we shouldn't be fine joining the destruction of the enemy. Right. I mean, scripture talks about, about, about giving love even to the enemy, right? And to your neighbor, even the ones you don't like. And it, it's, it's very, Jesus is very challenging for the, uh, for the human being. I'll say that much. Go ahead, Tracy. Yeah. Um, I'm more so versus being curious because um, she was told what was going to happen. I don't know if she didn't believe or maybe, but, but like I said, I always, as a mother myself, I always think about the fact that she had daughters in that city. Okay. And then these two angels is leading her husband out by the hand and got them all the way outside of the city and saying, go, go, go. We can't do anything to you come into this town that you asked to go into. And so I believe that, I don't even believe she followed him all the way into there when I'm reading the scripture again. And it's like, they didn't do anything till he got there. And if she was right behind him, she would have been there too. But she looked back. The Bible said, I believe that looked means that she went unto that. She like went back. Not that she just turned around because the over, she got caught in the overthrow. She literally got caught in it. And so I, I, I believe it was, and I don't think that God would have did something unjust because remember, before all of this happened, Abraham is bargaining with God. He's sitting there telling God, say, I'm going to send these two angels. They're going to destroy the city. And Abraham is like, no, will you kill the righteous with the with the wicked? And he says, no. He says, find me 50 that's righteous then. And, and he's like, um, probably can't find 50. What about 40? God said, OK, I won't I won't do it for 40. Then he didn't, but Abraham know how crazy that place is. He's like, uh, what about 30? And he bargains all the way down to 10. And God says, I won't destroy the city if you find me 10 righteous men. And he can't. So this is how just God is, right? So I don't think that he would be so unjust to Lot's wife as to let that happen to her for no reason. I believe it, 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 her disobedience, the angels gave strict instructions. Don't, don't turn back. Don't even look back. You know, there were strict instructions there. So I believe her downfall came down to disobedience. And then I would say the condition of her heart, because God wasn't going to destroy the city 
for 10 men. And I don't think he would have destroyed Lot's wife if she just made a mistake and was like, oops, you know, maybe she tripped and oops and looked back. I don't think, I don't think it was like, no, it like wasn't, that. it wasn't like one of those <laughs> I'm with you. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> and clearly they were far enough outside of the city where they weren't in danger, except she turned back and she, and she, maybe she got covered in ash. Maybe she hung around to be covered in ash while a lot went away. And, and you know, I, I, the pillar of salt, pillar of ash, whatever it may be. But yeah. I, I do, I do believe in that imagery that to me, growing up, going to Sunday school as a little kid in uh -huh. a Dutch reform school, that is one of the, the, the strongest images of as a child. Listen to that story. It's, it's, it, it was beyond Noah and the flood. It was beyond the animals going on to the ark. It was, it's beyond mm -hmm. many things, Tara, babe, all of it. Like that one image was very, very yeah. visual and powerful for me. And I've always been attracted, not curious in a bizarre way, but I've always been drawn, right. drawn to the story of Song Gomorrah because, oh, we had the floods. We have evidence of floods, so like another 150 uh, mythological sources around the world. So it wasn't just the Mideast. This was, this was a worldwide event. That's crystal clear. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. right. And so you, you have, as far as China, Asia, you have all the West, you have flood stories everywhere. The Great Flood uh, was, was covered in Sumerian tablets, all of it. it so it that actually clearly happened. Because no so one check creates, this out. Go ahead. Right. No one creates that story from scratch. And there's evidence right. of floods as well. Yeah. And so since the Bible clearly throws Noah's days in there with the days a lot, you got to consider what was going on in Noah's days. The Nephilim was there. The Bible says it was giants in the earth before the flood and after. That's literally what it says. Correct. So when you think about that mixture of DNA, the whole reason why God said all flesh upon the earth has corrupted itself, all seed upon the earth has corrupted itself. When you think about that all the way back then and you think about what they're doing with the vaccines and, and everything right now, how they're altering DNA. Right. And the right? CRISPR technology and the, and the chimeric Taking taking an animal with a human or something like just just bizarre experiments going on underground out of sight, but uh, there, there's there's evidence now of this, like in yeah. China and other other places. Like this is some of the bio labs are actually doing these kind of bizarre experiments through through D, through DNA of a human and DNA of of another animal, and it's just absolutely bizarre, like a monkey with a human face on. It. It's just like really mm -hmm. really strange. That that they're doing this, but but again, here we are, days of Noah, right? Yes, yeah. And here we are in today's world. And I, I have a friend thing. named Sterling. She's a really good friend of mine. She's deep in the Bible. She says James, and I didn't even ever think of it this way. She, you know, you know the word Genesis. Uh, yeah, I go, yeah, Sterling. You know what it really is? I go, I go, what Sterling? Besides the beginning, what is it? It is just separate the two words. What what two words? Genes, plural. Genes is. Mm -hmm. To her, that is what Genesis is. It's all about the genetics. It's all about God's software, not the software, mm -hmm. the world economic form that's in these triple helix vaccines. Not that. That's but God's that's software, right. the software yes. of life. The blueprint, the book, the Bible literally calls it a book. You, you, you've written all my members in your book. Before I was born, he wrote our members in our book. Our book it is the DNA. Right. And our DNA rules out like what? Like the scroll of a Torah. I mean, please. It's a yeah. scroll inside us. Yes. Self-replicating. Right. Yes. And there's a, there's laminin protein. I'll, we'll have to save that for another show and I'll bring images mm -hmm. on it and the story behind it. But a laminin 
protein is what? It's a cross. It is. It is. It's yes. God's it, blueprint, it everything is right in it. So mind blowing that all of this references from this ancient book has all of what we're learning now about science of the inside. We're learning about all this stuff. And yeah. like, are you kidding me? It's all these biblical references. Mm -hmm. And there's, and there's yeah. so many of them you, you, you can't ignore. It's not a coincidence. So many of them you can't ignore it. Yeah. And that's why God had the law of everything after its own kind. When, when, when that, when that vaccine first came out, you know, I did a, a PowerPoint of presentation at the church because God said not to mix seed. He said everything would be after its own kind. It was self-replicating. And that is the way that Satan came in with the Nephilim to destroy everything. Because once you introduce foreign seed, foreign DNA into a self-replicating system, then it start replicating that. And that's why God destroyed everything. And after the flood, he instituted a new law to govern creation. It was called the law of separation, and it was to uphold the law of everything after its own kind. That one was to enforce that one because the law of separation said not to mix seed. You can't even sow certain seeds in the garden with other seeds. You can't gender these seeds together. You can't mix linen and wool. You can't do all these things. It was a law of separation in order to uphold the law of everything after its own kind. And here we are going against it again. And today, as the days of Noah, so shall be in the, in the coming of the Son of Man. So, yeah. Let's talk about Lot's children with his daughter. Is that is that the story? Because oh, yes. So, who are they biblically? Uh, who are the children of Lot and his daughters? Well, when you know, because like I said, they got Lot drunk. Yeah. So much so that he didn't even know. <laughs> it's crazy when you think about it, but he didn't even know his daughter laid down with him. I don't, he was so drunk. I don't know how he performed. So you know how that you, in your imagination, what they would have had to have done. Okay. Yep. And so, and then the, 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 <laughs> the younger one goes in the next, the next night and both, it was amazing is both of them conceived with that one try, both of them conceived in that night. And then they both, you know, had both of them had sons, uh, Ben Ammon, which is the Ammonites and Moab, which is the Moabites. And both of them became the enemy of the Israelites. That's what's so crazy, especially Moab. And that's why when you get into these three refuge cities, and of course, Edom is Esau, who was always had his hand against his brother, Jacob. And so when you get into those type of things and you're talking about the three refuge cities where God says, take in my wanderers, take in my outcasts, because he's bringing them all back to him. But as you take them in, they're going to outcast you. They're, you're going to become their servants. Every, this is judgment for what you did to my people. And so that's why it's so crazy when you're reading about the, the origins of it, because it's starting in incest. You know, they slept with their yeah, dad. Yeah, no, it, it, it oh. is. It, there's no question, incest. And I'm thinking about the, the world today because now we got corrupted uh, DNA through these vaccines, yeah. even the shedding, the collateral damage, the transfecting, the trans, mm -hmm. uh, transfecting, I mean, uh, transmitting all of these mm -hmm. corrupting DNA, all of the chemtrails with the graphene oxide, all of this spike proteins yeah. with, with like the uh, nano with the uh, smart, intelligent nanotech parasites and robots and things. Yeah. All those little nanobots. And, oh, yeah. my. Lord, so we're in this really bizarre time, and it appears our blood and our semen and women's eggs are all being corrupted all yeah. over again. And so I'm thinking, mm -hmm. you know, you, you you put yourself in place of Lot's wife, and I can understand. So I'm putting my 
myself in place of the two daughters and the man. Mm-hmm. After, after the destruction of Saga Moore and the cities of the plain, were they actually thinking like, well, we're the only three people left left in the world? Yeah, you know, I you know I don't I don't no. know. And no, I'm wasn't. wondering if they they started the, the daughters anyway started thinking about well we need a we need a future of some kind and wow. Well, I I know Lot didn't think that because he was scared to stay in the plains after that happened. He was scared yep. to stay in Zoar, so he went up into the mountains. Unless he be killed by some people because they, they no longer have their house or anything. But the daughters, I don't I don't know what they were thinking because, um, well, I do know what they were thinking because the Bible said there, there, there's no man to come unto us as in the way of the earth. OK, yep. so they were that scared to where they lay with him. But you got to think about something else. And this is another thing that bothers me about the story of Lot as being a woman. When the two angels came, they came as men. So. All the men in the town, they're all gay, okay? So they came to Lot's door to take the men by force, okay? And it says from from uh, small to great, kids all the way up into adults were at the door, the Bible said. So that their, their, their wickedness was so great that they were teaching kids to know what wrong was before they had a chance to know what right was. So they were born into this craziness. But this is where I this is where it loses me with Lot. He said, don't do this wicked thing here. Take my two virgin daughters. He was willing to give his two virgin daughters to that mob. Okay. To save those two men. That's what I don't like. I'm like, Lot, why would you do that? So those two daughters had to be like, oh my God. And, and then of course the two angels grabbed Lot and blinded everybody out there. So they was groping around and they couldn't even find the door, you know, but those two daughters after that happened, they probably was thinking, well, we can't trust that. Let's just get them drunk and we're going to have some babies of our own. You know, it had to be pretty um, traumatizing to know that they was going to be given to that mob of crazy men out there. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing story. It um, is. You know, the, the, the wife turning into the pillar, right, and the two daughters. And, I mean, just the whole thing. A lot, lot is not the purest of people, is he, right? He's not the most logical people Like would... Certainly, in the time time of Jesus, we, you know, we wouldn't be sacrificing uh, Mary Magdalene to the mob. What? No, Jesus did the opposite, right? Cast your first stone, right? Right, and no right. one casts the first stone. You without sin, because everyone had sin, right? So, so yeah. it, it is absolutely an opposite tale uh, between Lot and Jesus, and yet Lot, Lot uh, took God's uh, warning and and left. Yeah, and I will say this to Lot's credit, even though he was ready to throw his daughters to the wolf. I'll say this to Lot's credit. When you go to the New Testament and when you're reading about their type of sin that it was in Sodom and Gomorrah in Jude and Second Peter, this is what it actually says. It says that their sin vexed Lot's righteous soul every single day. The sin of Sodom and Gomorrah vexed, the Bible said, his righteous soul. So Lot was still upstanding matter of fact lot was the only one that was which is the reason why god said okay abraham you can we'll, we'll get him out but we're destroying everybody else because there's not another that is righteous not another and so the bible does say lot was had a righteous soul during that time and it vexed him to be in that city wow yeah none of us are perfect as i said including a lot but you're right he was one of the only believers yeah he, he took the warning and left yeah, he tried to sell his daughter. The daughters took advantage of him. I mean, I kind of <laughs> like as strange as this story is, and, and that that part of it, right? The postscript of Sagamore being destroyed. I, I find it interesting. I find it uh, Shakespearean in a way. 
Yeah, and they did it to preserve their father's bloodline. They did it to preserve yep. the seed. So look at the reasoning why they did it. They were still trying to be righteous, you know? Correct. So, so I, I, listen, I'm not here to pass judgment. It's not my job, mm -hmm. right? But uh, I just find a story fascinating. And that, and so it's not just the structure of Sagamore and the city of the plains, and the fact there's archaeological and biblical evidence all over the place, the Dead Sea, north, south, choose what yeah. you like, the Lot's Cave, uh, even the pillar of salt, there's a, there's a tour with a sign saying this is where uh, Lot's wife uh, turned to a pillar of salt. You know, I don't necessarily buy they found that, but whatever. But I kind of get it. it. It's just, it's interesting. And what we're trying to do here is to get you, the audience, to think provocatively, to do your yes. own research, to go to yes. RomanWyatt.com, to read up on Lot. Because Tracy's giving you a lot of information. Right, that you know, we're, we're we're living in sin up to the time of Noah. Right, we're living in sin. We we the people, our ancient brethren, living in sin to the time of Lot, and we're doing it all over again in over again the real time of 2020s. We're doing it all over again, and a lot yep, of people are not awake. All they care about is playing their golf game or watching a football game or going to mm -hmm. a fancy restaurant, right, or having sex or doing whatever their heart desires and none of them are are taking god seriously or the life that god's given them and it's we're definitely in very strange days correct yeah the signs he's given us all the signs that he's given us and the ones that we could just go to the bible and it says this is what it's going to be like when i come back it's going to be just like this and it's going to be just like this and you have these examples right there and that's literally what we're doing all the way up into the strange flesh. The Bible says that they were laying with strange flesh and things like that. That's not just laying with animals because the Bible did say not to sleep with animals. It literally had to say that. And you wouldn't think you'd have to tell people that, but it said, don't do that either. Not to mix that seed, but it also talks about the strange flesh. So that's also this different type of seed coming in, like the Nephilim and all that type of stuff. And they're doing all that stuff today. So you've got to think about all these things. That's why you have to go beyond the Bible which is the name of the show. We want to think beyond scripture, beyond the Bible, so you can be provocative about these things and start to put some things together yourself. And then when you guys do, share them with us so we can all grow into this enlightenment together and this understanding. So, yeah. Yeah, ne next week, we're going to give you an email address. Uh, our show next week will air Wednesday night before Thanksgiving. We're going to give you an email address so you can email questions in. Um, and, yes. and we will we will do our best to answer them uh, show to show and stuff like that. Tracy, I haven't decided what our next show is going to be before Thanksgiving, but we will figure it out. Surprise you, the audience. Yeah. Tracy, we've got yeah. one minute left. Uh, please close out. Tell people where they can find you and your book. Go ahead. Yes, you can find my book, The Foundation Scripture Studies on Amazon. Just put in Tracy L. White, Foundation Scripture Studies, and this book will help you to study scripture. It'll help you to be able to research um, just like all the way I put the scripture together today, just taking you through that flow. That's literally how my book is written out as well. So it's very compiled and, and it'll just help you out a lot. Build your, build your uh, study habits. Great. Thank you, Tracy L. White. Love working with you. This is a great show. Yeah. We've done four episodes. We're going to do hundreds going forward. Don't you worry. And one day she's going to split her off on her own show and actually teach courses on the Bible because that's really who she is. This is James Grumick signing off for Beyond the Bible. We will see you next week on the show, and you can watch me on Unrestricted Warfare tomorrow with a very special guest. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>